I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of pots for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Many of you listening will have wondered what goes into sowing your lawn and what goes into sowing the grass on a football pitch. My guest today has all the answers as I'm joined by Guy Jenkins from DLF Seeds and Science, one of the world's leading grass seed companies selling the brand Johnson's Lawn Seeds. My thanks to Gardening Direct, sponsors of this podcast. Dodging the showers last week uh, was very nearly a full-time job. I have at last uh, mown both lawns back and front, although in wetter conditions than I would like. Oh, and we have a problem too with mice seeding sweet pea seeds. I knew there were mice about. After all that rain, they're driven in to find a bit of dry cover. And if you've sown uh, sweet peas in pots and in the open ground, you can see where they've been because there's these little inverted cone-shaped holes where their mouths went in to find the seed. And also you will sometimes see on the surface the seed coat. It's very clever the way that they can eat the uh, softer bit inside the seed and then just leave the coat. Their sense of smell must be remarkable. You know, that they can find where they are in a group and then individually. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'll need some very fine mesh wire netting just to try and keep them out. Now, tonight at the Gallywood Horticultural Society, we have no less than the no-dig authority, Charles Dowding, speaking. He's attracted a big audience, so I'll be very interested to hear what he says. Have I really wasted a lifetime digging the soil? Well, I'll find out tonight. What's new this week? Well, I spent the best part of a day being briefed by the engineers from Honda. Honda have a new engine, a petrol-driven engine. Apparently it's 1999 that they've been producing their current engine and it's really remarkable what designers can now do to make uh, engines more efficient, to make them quieter, to uh, allow them to have greater horsepower and torque. I'd never really thought much about torque, uh, but they explained to me that torque is when you push your mower into some really rough grass and it grunts a bit, you know, it can't cope for it very easily. And these modern engines have much more strength uh, and when you push them into long grass, they just gobble it up. There is a tremendous move towards uh, robotic mowers uh, and Honda are introducing one called MIMO. That's uh, capital M-I-M-O. 
I mean, you can hold it in two hands, what's it, about a foot square, and you just drop it on the lawn, and it sees to all the grass cutting. Simple as that. You need a wire put all the way around the edge of the lawn so it stays within the area you want it to. But then it's an electronic masterpiece. I mean, if you're up to date with all these latest mobile phones, you can actually control the mower on your phone. Uh, and the mower also checks the weather and the number of times it cuts the grass will be controlled by the weather forecast that the mower has read. It, it, it really is quite remarkable what we can do with modern electronics. The one thing I must ask them is, uh, what happens if it's cutting your front grass and somebody comes and nicks it? Because they cost about £900, and I think it'd be a bit tempting. Perhaps they have a satellite navigation link so that if somebody does nick it, you know where it's gone. <laughs> but at least on your mobile phone, you'd be able to see whether it was mowing or not uh, when you were some way away. There's other news too. The Royal Horticultural Society, in their wisdom, uh, um, are going to discontinue offering glyphosate weed killers uh, and peat-based composts, and at present they're offering these at 70% off. So uh, if, if you want a bit of uh, glyphosate weed killer, you want to nip down to one of the RHS shops pretty quick. Uh, and the John Innes compost too, 70% off the price of that. Sounds like a good buy. Our systems of uh, growing food are really rapidly changing. And I was interested to read this week that, that vertical farming, that's growing crops uh, you know, at 90 degrees to the horizontal, has raised £4 million to build two new ethical plant factories in two different areas in the city of London. And then the Edinburgh-based, shockingly fresh, is set to build dozens of indoor, naturally lit, vertical farms. They're currently developing five sites, one in Scotland, four in England, covering 40 hectares. I mean, these big salad producers, once they get going, they're in partnership with the Birmingham-based Saturn Bioponics, who supply the towers. And when you look at the greenhouses with these vertical cropping systems... It's just rows and rows of columns, circular, with uh, lettuce or salads growing all the way round them, something like two metres or more high. Back home and to uh, more ordinary things, if uh, you've got a few apples or pears stored, do just keep an eye on them. It's quite easy for one to have been a bit bruised or infected, starting to rot and spread the rot to all its neighbours. And with pears, they need to be conditioned. If you bring two or three fruits indoors into the warm and just check them daily, they'll ripen. But catching them at just the right condition takes a bit of skill and attention. If the stem pulls out easily from the fruit and if the skins are just starting to yellow a little, the chances are they'll be perfect. You know, when you bite into them, there'll really be masses of juice. If they're left to the point where the skins begin to wrinkle, then the chances are the fruits will be sleepy and starting to go rotten at the core. And so you need to get that perfect stage, not hard and unripened, 
as most of the conference are that we buy in supermarkets. You need to just keep two or three in the warm for a few days, keep an eye on them, and then if you catch them at just the right condition, they're absolutely beautiful to eat. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It has to be said, I love my lawn. And quite honestly, uh, what would English gardens be without that perfect uh, green turf? But, of course, if you have a really good one, it means a a little work and a little effort. Uh, And I welcome for our interview today Guy Jenkins, uh, who comes from the brand Johnson's Lawn Seeds. Now, Guy, uh, we've uh, spoken to uh, your colleagues over the years. Uh, The company has great depth in uh, lawn grass seeds, doesn't it? Yes, indeed it does, Peter. Thank you. Johnson's lawn seed itself was started well in 2020. It's going to be 200 years old, so um, it's got a, a a lot of a lot of experience uh, to pull upon. And um, it was actually started by a 17-year-old market gardener who went on to breed plants and grasses. And um, I won't go through the full 200 years, but but you know that that is our inheritance. Um, and Johnson's lawn seed is now owned by a Danish cooperative called DLF Seeds. And DLF is actually the largest grass breeder and producer in the world. And so uh, we have a lot of expertise in breeding grass. I went once to Denmark and walked some of those trial patches. Mm. Boy, you need some patience, don't you, to breed <laughs> good grasses. Yes, you do. I mean, the, the breeding cycle is very long. And uh, if we started a, a new scheme today, if you like, uh, projects, it would take... 15 to 16 years to come up with a marketable variety and, and that's to do with the length of time it takes to cross grasses because you have to wait a year for them to produce seed and also for, for um, the testing and the legislative uh, hurdles that you have to jump through to make sure it's, it's, a, it's a new grass and it's, it is what it says it is. So 
all our grass breeders, we, we don't know if they're any good for the first 10 years, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but when you say test them, I mean, you have machines that uh, equal football boots and... Uh, that's right. Kinds yes. of wear and tear, don't you? Yes, yes, we do. We have a machine that looks a little bit like a rotavator, except um, the the wheels are, are like football studs, and the wheels move at slightly different speeds. So it gives that shear that you get when when footballers or rugby players turn on grass. So it tries to pull it and tear it. So we we, we actually have physical testing that we impose on grass like that for wear or it might be for shade or we sometimes uh, test for disease but also when we do end up with a variety it gets tested by the authorities to make sure that it is genetically unique and not just a copy of somebody else's grass that we've just renamed um, so it's quite important that people can look at that and protect people's uh, intellectual property and this sort of thing and make sure that new varieties always stand on the shoulders of old ones. And if people look closely when they go out to buy lawn grass seed, they'll usually be in tiny print, won't they, the contents mm. of the box. And it isn't just one grass that you tend to offer to gardeners. Indeed, that's correct. And um, the, uh, if you look on the base of the box, you'll see uh, some Latin there describing what the grasses are and the variety name and the percentage of the inclusion rate in a mixture. And, and the reason we have mixtures is that... Um, it's back to nature, really, and biodiversity is that um, a lawn can suffer many environmental stresses in quite a small area. It might be shade, it might be wear, it might be drought. And if you have a grass mix of grasses that can tolerate one or more of those stresses, over a period of time, your lawn stays green, but it might have more ryegrass in the area that's wear. It might have more um, fescues in the area that are shady, but you still get a green, green lawn. And that's, that's why we use mixtures. And so if, um, I don't know, I'm Mr. Average with a, a, a plot of land, but perhaps uh, wanting to put down a lawn, um, where should I start and what should I do? Right. Well, in terms of choosing your mixture, um, the, the key way of doing it is deciding which is the, the stress it's going to be under most. And by stress, I mean simply, is it wear and tear? Uh, do you like a very short lawn, lawn which has got stripes on? So it's mowing that would be the stress. Um, is it stress from shade or drought? Or often all of those things together. Um, so, for instance, if you if you want wear and tear in a lawn, or a good resistance to it, then you should aim for things like perennial ryegrass. Um, and and I mean amenity perennial ryegrass, not not the stuff that farmers use. And if you're looking for a nice, fine, dense lawn that looks a bit like a golf green, then you want lots of fescues. Um, and if you combine the two, then you can get a lawn that's quite hard-wearing, but also nice and dense. Um, and after that, you're into the preparation of the area. I mean, I can talk about that, or uh, what would you like me to do? Well, as well as new grass, sorry, mm. new lawns, uh, I'm always concerned about the renovation of sort of worn and tired lawns. Most people don't dig up their lawn, uh, perhaps as often as they should. I think I've dug my lawn up twice in <laughs> what, 40 or 50 years. Yeah. Um, there are things that you can do to improve a turf by overseeding. Very, yes, very very much so. And, and, and that's most of us have an existing lawn, if that makes sense, rather than always putting in new ones. And overseeding a lawn, putting new grass into it on a regular basis is a way of 
improving its quality and introducing new and more resistant grasses. So it's, it's a very effective and quite low cost and low effort way of improving your lawn. So depending on the wear and tear, a lawn might lose up to 25% of, of the grasses actually in, in the lawn. And those gaps are taken up by your weeds. So by renewing the grass, by refreshing it with new grass seed, you fill in those gaps with new, younger, a bit more vigorous plants. Um, and those plants might have greater resistance to wear and tear or disease than the existing population. So over a period of time, um, you improve the whole lawn. And it's, it's, it's a good way of carrying on, particularly if you've got areas that are very worn or areas that are very shady. I, mean, I remember interviewing the groundsman at Wimbledon uh, and, and he gave me to understand that they overseeded, if I remember correctly, six or seven times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I was standing there thinking, when did I last overseed mine? Oh, well, <laughs> exactly. It would have been six just... or seven years. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, this is the thing. I mean, obviously, with somewhere like Wimbledon, it's got a very unique uh, set of stresses and, and also in very concentrated areas, uh, clearly the baseline and, and uh, the middle of the court. But... Um, Yes, they do, and, and football groundsmen uh, do so as well. So um, we, we uh, provide uh, football groundsmen with what are called winter repair mixtures, which has a particular grass that will grow well under cold conditions. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually an annual grass, um, but it fills in those gaps. So, yes, they, they are overstone on a very regular basis uh, to replace those lost grasses. So, yeah, the more wear, the more gaps you're going to get in your turf. Um, but, but for an average user... Assuming you haven't got 22 footballers running over your lawn every weekend. Causing, um, causing havoc. You know, whenever causing, I watch the exactly. cup tie, you, you have that absolutely perfect turf, and then these ghastly fellas with studs on their boots fly about. And if they score a goal, they absolutely skid across it. I mean, it just makes my hair stand on end. <laughs> I'm screaming at the television, you know. I know. I know. It's <laughs> vandalism. It's the pitch it's all about. I know. They don't seem to understand this. <laughs> I know. Well, well, I'm glad they can do that. I mean, the good thing about grass is that you can you can actually do those things without burning the skin off your knees, um, and so so that's that's another aspect of, of a natural surface. But um, yes, you're right. It's a good thing to oversow, and it's a good thing to replace lost grasses so that you actually get what you want, as opposed to weeds and, and bare patches and, and sort of ugly bits. So yes. What about the time for doing that overseeding? Can we do it spring and autumn? Yes, you can. Um, traditionally, in, the, in our market, in our gardening market, most people, will, um, most people who are buying seed will do the oversowing and new lawns in the spring. Um, and that's a perfectly okay time to do it. Um, what you have to wait for, though, is for the ground to warm up properly. So we can have a nice sunny day and it's all lovely and you're in your shirt sleeves, but in the evening it could be, you know, one or two degrees or even frost. So the ground really isn't that warm. So in spring, um, things can take a bit longer and you have a few more risks around of frost, hot sun, drought, even those cold easterlies we sometimes get in the springtime as well. Um, but most of the time you'll succeed. And then in the autumn time, um, because the ground is warmer, that's actually probably the best time of all to sow. Ground is warm, um, the weather is beginning to turn so that you get a bit more rain. Um, we don't usually have really, really hot weather, depending where you are in the UK, um, in, in the autumn. 
And funnily enough, sowing in the autumn, you tend to get a grass sward that comes through that matches the actual mixture in the box. So all the grasses come through together and come through well, rather than maybe being dominated slightly by, by, by ryegrass or by a fescue, depending on the conditions. At what sort of rates would you apply? Right. The, um, that's a great question, Peter. It's, it's a really movable feast. So um, if most lawn owners would put, should sow a bare lawn at about 35 grams per square metre. If, if you're over sowing, you can use a bit less because obviously there's a bit of grass down there already and you can sow at 25 grams per square metre. And these are averages, okay, but it gives you a good rule of thumb. The more, and this isn't a way of making people buy more grass seed, but the more grass seed you put down up to a certain level will actually increase the speed of establishment. So, for instance, a football groundsman might, and I'm not recommending this for lawn, but I'm giving it to you as an example, they might sow at 100 grams per square metre because they've only got a very short space of time to get their football pitch back up and ready for, for the new season to start. So sometimes in the spring, if the ground is a bit colder, you could put a bit more on. Or if you're sowing your lawn at the end of the autumn season, you know, today or a week ago, it's not a bad idea to put a bit more on then either because it just improves your chances and, and lifts the establishment rate. But ultimately, the number of plants that in your mature lawn will just depend on the nutrition and the water that's available to it. Fine. Now, could you give me one or two um, names? I mean, if I go into my local garden centre, I see Johnson's boxes, mm. um, and there's different kinds. Yes. For the average sort of uh, home garden lawn, what should I look for? Right. The the um, again, this this varies slightly with the stress that the, the the lawn area is going to be put to. So, you know, if it's a very shady area or high fences or, or a lot of shrubbery, then there's a shady mix. Um, but that's not particularly wear torrent because it's all fescue, so it looks lovely, but you you wouldn't uh, get much wear and tear. Um, or you could look at a mixture that's called um, quick lawn. This is quick to germinate, but Half of it is uh, two very good ryegrasses, and the other half is two very good fescues. And so if you've got shady areas, the fescues will prosper. If you've got areas that wear torrent, uh, that need wear torrents, then the ryegrass will, 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 will prosper. So um, you can make choices that way. And then, then we have other mixtures like tough grass, which is exactly what it says it is, much harder wearing and has other benefits too, which I think you'll get onto later, Peter. And we have things like um, the luxury lawn, which is your sort of traditional stripes, looks like a bowling green, mow it twice a week with a rower on the back, that kind of thing. <laughs> you don't see many of those now as you walk down suburban <laughs> no. streets, do you? What no, a, no, you what, don't. What a pity. Uh, and you need a pretty good soil, um, a slightly acid soil too, don't you, mm, for those very ideally. fine grasses? Yes, ideally you do. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Now, you mentioned tough grass, and I think we have to mention that before we close, because um, you're promoting it now for those people who have a problem with uh, dogs, especially with bitches that form brown spots. That's right. Well, this is a question we've been asked for many years. We've never actually known the answer. So we thought as a business, because this is what we do for a living, we ought to find out. So we actually went out and uh, just worked out what was actually in dog pee so we can make our own because obviously you can't really get dogs to test things very easily for you <laughs> i was wondering how you trialed it yes it's, going... <laughs> it's all, all a bit random that would have been yeah. so 
So we actually made our own dogwe, um, and then um, we we actually varied the concentration. So we had four different concentrations from you know super concentrated, then added to some water, and came down to four different ones. That was to simulate dogs in the morning where it's very concentrated to dogs in the evening where it's less so because they've had been drinking and this sort of thing. So there was some science in this. And then what we did with each, we tested 672, um, uh, with 168 varieties and 672 different tests across seven different species of grass to find out which ones were the most resistant. And we found them. Uh, much to our amazement, some grasses, uh, dog pee is terminal. It's the end and you get a brown spot and nothing will ever come back until you put new grass in it. But we found a, a family of grasses, a family, particular family of perennial rye grasses that were very resistant to dog pee and in most circumstances didn't discolor at all. And where they did discolor when it was really strong, um, the, uh, the grass would sort of go a little bit off color and then recover and grow back. So we've actually used these grasses 100% now for 2020 in our tough grass mix. Guy, that's an amazing story. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, whenever you get to speak to specialists, one has to admire the lengths that you go to to get mm. these I improvements for home gardeners. Uh, it's been an absolute joy to welcome you to the podcast, uh, and I may be coming back to you for more advice on my lawn. <laughs> You're you. welcome to it, Peter. All right, thank you very much. Bye-bye. What's on? Well, there's pumpkin carving on the 26th and 27th at the Royal Horticultural Society Garden at Hyde Hall. The kids love doing that. And if you're looking for a pumpkin and happen to be anywhere up near Peterborough, I noticed this week that Baytree Garden Centre at Spalding is offering pumpkins at a pound a time. That looks like a pretty competitive price to me. And what a centre that is. It's like an Aladdin's cave of gardening treasures. Uh, if you go there, give yourself plenty of time. It's a good restaurant, so you can have a cup of tea and a cake. Uh, but I tell you, there's a lot to see at Baytree, and you come out with a pumpkin for a pound. My thanks to Gardening Direct, sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.